This podcast represents the opinions of our hosts and guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice and is for informational purposes only. This podcast also does not establish a standard of care, doctor-patient or client relationship. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. And because each person is so unique, all listeners are encouraged to connect with counseling and medical professionals for assistance with their personal journey. All people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect the privacy of those involved. Listening to the We're Not Fine podcast with Doug Jensen and Dr. Talia Jackson. just thinking about the other day is how how much we've already grown like our baby podcast is already a toddler and how the be very beginning of our experience together when we when I walked into your office which we're no longer at your office we've already upgraded to our own little studio but when I walked into your office for the very first time and you welcomed me you were like oh by the way uh, several people in our building saw a spirit of a woman hovering right over there by that hallway, and I can't get that out of my mind. And then, will you tell me, like, what was what was that about? Because since then, she is now gone. May she rest in peace. But, like, what was that whole scenario? I have so much to say about this, including when I took you and your husband down into the boiler yes. room, and your husband was convinced there was a gravesite. Yeah, because uncovered. <laughs> there was some like wet cement, which by the way, do you remember there... when I was like, not today, Satan, and I did not go <laughs> into the boiler room at all. I like, tried getting enough... you down there. I was like, you guys, haven't you already seen the part of the movie where we're all in the boiler room looking to see if that is actually wet cement? by this grave site in the boiler room where apparently she died. And I've seen enough horror movies to know that some strange ends. mystery, like the door slams and then the lights go out. And I'm like, peace out people. I'm going to be standing right out here. So two things about that. One is you are correct. I did say that because one of our mutual friends and colleagues was doing some conjoint work with me one evening with a couple. And she said, I need to talk to you afterwards. And she said, so there's a, there's a ghost at the end of your hallway that was watching me as I went to the restroom. And oh. within that same week, one of my colleagues who actually offices, another friend of ours and colleague, um, yes. indicated that, yes, she has seen the same figure or person. I don't know the correct way of talking about this because I don't want to be disrespectful of people on the other side. Um, I think you just have my... to talk about it like this. Like, please don't <laughs> haunt me. Like, just I love you. I'm, I'm honoring the dead. I don't, I don't. And so evidently there was a suicide in my building and this person may have been the person because one of my colleagues hired a Ghostbuster because she didn't want that experience any longer, which kind of brings that. up, honestly, at some point on some episode, we have to talk about what people believe about that, how people experience those sorts of experiences. I've had so many clients uh, talk yes. about seeing people or, you know, having messages for me from people and my pets oh my God. who had died. Okay. So I have our guest. I know who we're going to oh. have on the Let's beautiful, illustrious Kaya White. She's our person. We're going to have her on. She is a psychic and a medium. Oh. And it's very obvious to her because she's getting messages on all sorts of radio frequencies that we can't hear from the other side. So we're going to have her. Can on. I tell you one last comment on this that is just, you know, I, I have so many belief systems about this based on our life experiences, right? So my clients who have had messages from one was my dad, one was my dog who died. Um, but I used to have Halloween parties, big, big, big Halloween parties in my 1904 scary home in the St. Croix Valley. Um, and one year we hired a, a, a crystal ball person. And I, I remember walking into my living room and the, the place was packed. Like there were probably 50 people in line up and down my stairs where we had put this fortune teller with the crystal ball. And I kept looking at them and these are physicians. These are other professional people. And they're all like, 
I'm not sure what her skill is, but she's exactly been right on. And I want more and more readings from her. And I'm like, that's pretty incredible. So, And that's what happens. It's almost like it doesn't matter what you believe. All you need to do is sit in a room with somebody who has a level of skill, intuition, psychic ability, and then you know that they're the real deal. Okay, we'll have to look at that at a future podcast. But today <laughs> Thanks, Greg. I can't it's, wait for that, Greg, too. Why are you not more interested in everything that comes out of our mouths? I don't know. Okay. Um, this, is, this is from Julie. Okay. Uh, Julie says, I wish I was making this up. My boyfriend gets jealous of all the affection and cuddles that I show and give to my dog. I've had my dog for 11 years and my boyfriend for just one year. So yesterday I was playing with my dog. My boyfriend was telling me to come cuddle with him. I tell him just a few minutes. Then he totally snaps and says, I'm tired of always coming second to that damn dog. It's either him or me. And he slams the door and he walked up. I'm totally taken aback by that reaction. When he came back an hour later, he looked embarrassed and was quiet. I'm not even sure how to have this discussion with him. He obviously has some issues that he needs to address, right? This is where I noticed the difference between a podcast and actually being in the room with somebody, right? Because if he was in the room with me, I would be a much different person reacting a much different way. And I would be very empathic and wonder what that was about for him. But because we're talking to you, Julie, what the hell? I mean, like, if he doesn't love your dog, I don't know. First of all, that's a problem. But second of all, I think that the main problem here, which I talk about all the time, right, is like abundance mentality versus scarcity mentality. Why in the world would there not be enough love and enough affection to go around between a boyfriend and dog that is not a small pie that they do not have to be fighting for the same resources that's really sad like that must be something going on for him where he really feels like he needs to be prioritized over somebody else rather than being able to be oh just this loving three of you snuggled in bed at the same time. Is that a problem? So Doug? here's what I think, Talia. So I go a little different direction with this. I actually stayed in my therapy role. Like what's going on oh. for this guy? What yeah. is he? I had immediate empathy for this dude. I'm like, he, but he's not communicating well. I think there's a way that he's not really talking about what's underlying it. I think two things. One is Julie, be a little patient. We're going to figure this out you know, by, by encouraging you to check out some questions because getting mad at somebody who has identified some need or want is not going to work very well for your relationship. However, he's got to ask for what that is. So two things kind of come up for me about this. One is if he's not feeling loved and regarded, he has to be specific to her about what that would look like and what he needs from her. Cause my guess is that his vial is not full. Like in that relationship, he does not have security. He does not have a sense that he is equally a priority to the dog. Very different relationships, by the way. Um, and so there's something that I think is missing that I think he might articulate further. Um, but I also want to say, like one of our guests recently talked about, you know, when, when people are having really intense emotions about things that seem kind of silly to other people, what is the fear that's underneath that? underneath and underlying that, right? So what is the fear that this guy has going on? Is he afraid he's not important? Is he afraid she's into dogs, which I don't think is the case? Um, <laughs> like, what is it? What is it that this guy's really afraid of? And he needs to articulate that. Julie, it's actually a really, really great observation that he comes back kind of with his tail between his legs, no pun intended. And he has oh. this kind of remorse about his reaction. Um, I say, I say, take that opportunity to say, so what is going on for you? Let's get to the bottom of it because, you know, Julie, I got to tell you, I may be making a jump about this, but I think you love him and I think you want him to feel loved and regarded. And there's plenty of love to go around. Going back to Talia's comment about abundance, I think there's plenty of love to go around between a dog and you. So, and him, I should say. This reminds me, I mean, it's such, it's such a beautiful question because it's also incredibly generalizable to all relationships. I hear this often. That might be the first time I've heard it about a dog, but I hear this all the time with my couples who feel like 
usually the mother is all in love and completely her brain and her body all hijacked by motherhood. Her touch needs are all met. Her intimacy needs are all met. And so every child feels like you're kicking the spouse down another rung on the ladder. And oftentimes, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm experiencing it it as, I'm of course talking about, you know, the woman and the man, but of course this goes for any relationship where there are probably children involved, but is there enough room there? How do we talk to the person who feels like they're not getting their needs met because the spouse is completely consumed by the way that they're showing love and care for the children, the animals, whatever that is. Like, how do we work with a situation like that to help both parties kind of find that balance? And it kind of goes back to everything we discuss about relationships in general. It comes down to communication and understanding. So I, I wonder if this guy kind of knows why he's having this strong response. And again, what he's not getting, because I'm guessing it's a little affirmation. I think it's a little validation. It might be everything you just talked about. Like, is the pie so kind of filled up that the two of them really need to compromise on a few things and find space to connect with each other a little more regularly? Because there's just something underlying it. But I have, I have a great deal of empathy for both of you. And I think these situations, like I think is happening for Julie, they can become stressful and they can become areas of strain and resentment. And mm -hmm. so being able to really talk about what's going on underneath is going to be critically important. And I think that's the next step. When we talk about compassion and even just think about like people have these loving kindness meditations that, that we do about how do we even connect with this really warm and, and unconditionally loving feeling, if that's what people are having trouble with in just their work around intimacy. And sometimes what people will do to connect with that feeling is think of the most pure, uncomplicated feelings of love that they could possibly be feeling. And usually that is around your dog or around probably your cat or around a niece or a nephew, because those are very uncomplicated loves, uncomplicated relationships. And so I wonder if he was jealous of just this feeling of like pure love, unconditional love, the way she touches the dog, greets the dog, snuggles the dog, the gazing into the dog's eyes. I'm just projecting here because that's how I am with my dogs. And that he just was really craving that kind of level of uncomplicated love and intimacy, which is hard with humans. That's all. Well, yeah, who knows? I mean, I think there's a part of this that because he is a human being, the question is like, I go back to like love languages, which I think is a valid conversation about how each of us feel it. Um, I don't know if it's that, but that's where he has to kind of be clear. Like, this is what would make me feel loved and secure in this relationship so that you can give all that lovey-dovey dog love, which is different. I mean, the interaction's different. Um, to, you know, you know, to your pet, who is, by the way, 11 years old, I think you said, which is getting up there in age. And so you want to make sure not to compromise that love that you have for that pet either. Well said. Sweet. Good luck, Julie. Okay. Our next story comes from Mike. We first met through an apex game of all places and had a lot in common. She's funny, sweet, an amazing artist but she also was hesitant on doing webcams on Discord when we were gaming. Her excuses being she'd have to get her makeup on and look all pretty. Already that was a big red flag, but love makes you do stupid things, so I shrugged it off. However, as time passed, I was getting a bit concerned about whom I was talking with all the time, gifts, moments spent together was with a void of a person. I hadn't the first clue of her appearance aside from that she was Latina. Only until recently did she call me and confess why she hadn't been showing me her face or her body. She said she is fat. Now, I don't mind a bit of chub on a woman, but when she turned on the webcam and my reaction was akin to a deer in headlights, she was easily 300 plus pounds. 
I was basically doing my best not to be outright disgusted with the lying and the appearance I had been attracted to. I held the poker face and calmly assured her it was all right, and then did the usual ritual of saying goodbye and goodnight as we normally had before. I'm now in bed thinking about this, sad, angry, and confused. I saw the red flags early, but I didn't act on them. Any attraction I had for her is now completely gone, and I feel like I was talking with someone else entirely tonight. Should I break it off with her for lying to me? I can't see myself being in this relationship even after a year of being with her online. I can't see a future with someone this unattractive. Ooh. Um, You know, there's several things about this that I want to comment on. One is, uh, I think there's a show actually on MTV called Catfish or Catfishing. Mm. Um, And it's very much about people who pretend to be, you know, someone entirely different than they are. And I think that's about gender and that's about appearance and it's about all those sorts of things. I'm very sad for this person who doesn't feel confident to put herself out there in her honest, authentic way. Um, As I will say many times in the context of this episode, but others uh, the reality is there's someone for everyone and regardless of appearance and regardless of, you know, what we look like, you know, I don't have hair. Somebody who wants a dude with hair is not going to pick me as their mate. Right. So I think there's so many and love yourself kind of timely that I'm wearing this t-shirt. Um, I would want this person who is not showing herself on the webcam to, you know, show up with pride about who you are and just be you. Uh, Because the right person for you, like, I think you knew inevitably, this person knew that you're talking about inevitably the secret would be known and there would eventually have to be a face to face, which I think your bigger issue, I I don't know what you really think about is her appearance, although you're, you're commenting on the word chub, uh, you know, those sorts of things that don't feel particularly positive or affirming. But I think the real issue here is deception. Um, and when you when you ask the question to us about whether or not you should break up, um, it's very likely recovery from something that's gone on for a while. I don't remember the timeline here specifically, but depending on how long this deception has occurred, it's kind of like walking up to somebody's house for a date and they've shown you pictures from 20 years ago. I honestly, I'll be honest, I would walk away just because of the lie and the deception that I, I would have a hard time. Like, if you're willing to do that, what does it say about your character? So... I don't love it. I don't want to be insensitive to how people in society treat people of different sizes or ages or genders. But the reality is, I don't know what the recovery might look like for you. And it sounds like, you know, when I talk about chemistry, it's critically important to pay attention. Like, how do you feel about that person? Do you want to kiss them? Do you want to make out with them? Do you want to get naked with them? Like, you know, physical intimacy is an important part of any relationship. And so, You know, if you're not attracted to this person, it's okay to say I'm not attracted without being critical, without being judgmental. But equally so, honestly, I think it's fair to have a big concern about the deception and the lying that went on. And I don't know that you need to even bother trying to recover from that. I mean, per usual, I love everything that you said. I I want to disagree with you, but that's exactly, I mean, those are all of the things that I was going to. (laughs) touch on as well that it is it's a heartbreaking situation because I feel like for her she it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy right like I will not be loved I will not be accepted if you actually see the true me the real me so I'm going to head into this with you thinking that I'm someone entirely different and I am going to build this relationship and maybe hope for the best that once he does finally see me, the connection we've built over, oh my God, a year? Like I can't, that is such a long time to feel like you're growing in relationship and intimacy and connection. And then again, she had an experience of the minute somebody saw her, the it, the relationship changed. And what I'm worried yep. about is the story she's going to tell herself is I'm hideous, I'm unlovable. But the true story is exactly what you said, Doug. If she had the confidence to step forward and be her true, authentic, and honest self, advertise correctly who she is her gifts it sounds like she is warm she's funny she's smart she's all these wonderful things and if she were to lead with the whole picture 
you're right. She might not be for everyone, just like I'm not for everyone and you aren't for everybody. That's okay. Someone is going to be madly in love with her exactly as she yep. is, but yeah. she will never know that if she is leading in this way. And so I don't know. I feel really, I feel sad for both of them. I don't think there's any way to recover from this. It's been a year of deception. And I will tell you, I know a lot of people that sort of met in a similar way. And I will say, even if they are attracted to the person that they see after, you know, weeks or months, even that is a little bit weird because they already have a vision in their head of like, oh, I talked to you. This is what I think you look like. This is what I think your energy is like. This is what I'm picturing. And then even if you see the person, that's usually not what they look like or what they are. And even yeah. more strange, I don't know about your experience, but if you've talked to someone on Zoom for months, you know, being a therapist and the going through the pandemic, if you see them in person in your office, it is a completely different experience. And so that's real no matter what. But I feel like that particular problem might not be surmountable. I don't think they can recover from that. I'm also finding myself, you know, uh, kind of, I, I think, I think we've given you as much as probably is helpful, but I also think that one of the issues that gets brought up for me is what the the online or app dating world is really about and are people presenting themselves in the way that is accurate and honest. And that's for a, another episode at some point, I think. Um, but the other thing about like, I, I appreciate what you said at the beginning when you when you talked about like you had some red flags, you were not feeling particularly like something wasn't right. I'm always going to tell people when you hear yourself feeling those things or you, you, you experience those things internally, do something about it, pay attention and, you know, make sure that you follow up on that and say, so I'm really concerned. I can't really go on further until, you know, we have a, a face to face or some, some sort of meeting of some kind, but that online gaming community, which I'm not very familiar with, with, I think you said apex. I don't know what that is. Um, my apologies, but I think um, the reality of like who can enter those rooms is without any boundaries about age, et cetera. And I have a lot of concerns about what that means for vulnerable people who are pretending to be someone else in general. Um, and I think we, we have to address that as a culture at some point. But bottom line is when you not only feel something, I say, say something and do something about it. But honestly, at this point, honesty is the best policy. So I would be really upfront with with her and let her know, I don't think you know I can get past the, de the deception piece but I'm also not feeling chemistry with you. It's not there. I have a sort of follow-up question for you, Doug and Talia on, on the subject. And Doug, you were talking about chemistry a second ago Yep. in terms of his comment about um, he doesn't mind a bit of chub on women. There's obviously some concern about her appearance that he wasn't attracted to. Right. Yep. Do you, how do you just, how do you explain this chemistry issue versus and her approach to sort of trying to avoid it and build a connection against people that have been together a longer period of time and had initial attraction, yep. but maybe have changed over time, gained weight or something else where the, the, the attraction may not be as strong for various reasons and those situations. Is it the same? Is it different? How do you rationalize that? I'm going to say it's the same. Um, I want to reiterate that chemistry is on multiple levels, right? So we've got emotional chemistry and we've got physical chemistry. And I think when somebody, you know, when you're talking about the example you gave, Greg, you're talking about people who had both at one point. This is honestly what I think about this. And this may be unpopular. It may be popular. But as people change and our bodies change, we all do, right? Like we all I have lost my hair, right? So, you know, if somebody said, I really liked you when you had big wavy hair and you had a ponytail, which I regretfully had in the 80s. Um, oh, my God. I need pictures. Side no, note, I can't even nope. picture you with hair. <laughs> I can't yeah, picture. Was it wavy? Oh, I had wavy really long hair. hair. Yeah, big, big hair. Oh um, anyway, so okay. number two, but the thing about it is I would want my partner to let me know. So... I'm a little concerned about your health. You, you're going through some body changes. Have honest dialogues about that. I think one of the things that I struggle with in our culture is shame about these conversations. 
And I got to be honest, I think, you know, and, and I want to go the other direction, by the way. I'm working with a couple right now. Actually, I'd like to not identify that. There are couples that oftentimes will have the opposite approach. Like I have a guy that I work with who's really attracted to his partner's size. And as his partner is losing weight, he's less attractive. And he's trying to figure out well, how to navigate that and negotiate that. And it really is about trying to make it work. But, you know, Greg, your question is tricky because we can't make it different. We can't change our chemistry. We can't make ourselves feel something we don't. But we can talk about it, and we can talk about it without fear, and we can talk about it without shame. And frankly, every relationship, because we all age, we have to keep having them and having them and having them every chapter of our lives together with somebody. So if somebody's making changes in the context of their relationship, keep talking. Keep talking about how that impacts you. And for some people, that conversation can create the aphrodisiac that needs to keep their physical connection alive. But not talking about it will destroy that oftentimes. So oh, talk. Um, I was today years old when I disagreed with you for the first time. <laughs> Please do. Okay. So, oh, sorry about that. Here, okay, so as a woman who has been pregnant twice and who has gained 50 pounds per pregnancy because my boys in utero had a sweet tooth, I could do anything about that. And who am I to deny them what they needed in utero? My husband... Never. And was he just as attracted to me 50 pounds heavier? Probably not. But never. Did he never said anything? And he made me feel so beautiful. And if anything, he went an approach that was just like contributing to my maybe just like giving me space and time to be my healthiest self. So offering like, do I need you know, what do I need to feel good? Or even like, you know, usually people, when they're not feeling good about themselves, they also aren't feeling as sexy, as sexual, as sensual, all those things. We talked about that in another yeah. episode yep. of like, what happens when somebody's self-esteem about the way they're feeling becomes a problem for the partner? Long story short, I don't see how those conversations go well. If you're letting someone know, I love you, but I'm not attracted to this new you. Like, this is a breach in our agreement as a couple. You had a six-pack when I met you. <laughs> what happened to you? We've been together for 25 years. Someone stole all your hair. Like, what happened? <laughs> what I mean, like, what do we do with the kind of scenario so to make our partner still feel beautiful, loved, we're madly in love with you still, but like, can we maybe, can we encourage you to make sure that you're becoming your healthiest, best self? But Doug, what you're talking about in this random couple that has nothing to do with anything that you know about personally, right? But like in that yeah. couple, if somebody is losing weight because they're trying to become their healthiest self, but the other person in the couple was really attracted to the way they were before, I don't know. These conversations are so delicate and complicated. And I would say, I'm not really sure that like full transparency is the answer. And I'm going to say full transparency is always the answer. But this this is what I want to say about that too, Talia, is that pregnancy is different. I really think it is. I mean, while you as a woman might feel like you put on that weight and so you weren't feeling at your best, something is happening that is momentary and temporary, right? At least for some. And it was for, for you. For some. For some and not for everybody. But the thing about it is, let's let's go the other way. If Rob all of a sudden stopped working out and he changed kind of who he was as a person. You're saying try really hard to just ignore that and not talk about it, how it affects you. And I think you have to put it out there. Did I hear you correctly? Well, half correctly, because okay. I was actually suggesting a more of like a delicate side door, <laughs> which might look like, Oh my God, honey, you used to 
have more time and more energy to take care of yourself. And I feel like our lives have gotten so busy and like both of us maybe have gotten away from ourselves a little bit. Is there anything that I can do to hold you accountable, make sure that you're getting what you need to take care of yourself. I feel like, you know, we haven't been walking every day like we used to. You used to play basketball all the time and now your knees hurt. You used to, you know, whatever that is. Like, do we need to make sure that we're honoring each other's space and self-care in a different way, which sounds very different than like, wow, you've really let yourself go, which I hear from my clients even just like a couple of months postpartum, right? I will hear sure. yep. the spouse say like, oh, I'm like, oh, they've really let themselves go. They don't seem to care that they're not as, you know, attractive as they used to be. How do I tell them that they need to lose weight and work out more? I don't think they can. But there's something <laughs> in the middle. So one of the things I love about you is that you have this desire to kind of take the back door and be like, I'm going to gently turn the knob and then I'm going to peek yeah. in. And I'm someone who thinks go through the fucking front door and just really lay it out there. But you don't have to be mean. Like I always tell people, if somebody says, does this outfit make my ass look fat? I don't think you say, yeah, you're a slob or whatever. You say there's more flattering clothing that I've seen you in. I think you look really great in that other outfit. Like there's a way to say things that is not avoiding or skirting the issue. But I think one of the things, Talia, that I'm laughing because I think it's going to show up a lot in our lovely podcast that we're doing together, that we have a little different approach, even probably about relationship communication. Because I'm like, go in that mm -hmm. front door. Do not beat around the bush. Because I think the beating around the bush can also kind of become almost like you see that person is needing kid gloves or you need them to be treated in a vulnerable or cautious way. And I think that can create an equal dynamic of strain. Like don't, don't treat me like a child, just out there with it. Right. Okay. So one thought is I think more often than I even realize, I feel gratitude towards Rob for never yeah making a single comment and and honestly my postpartum like whatever that was about it took me a good decade or more to like find myself again you know and feel great about that so and he never said a single word and i feel a lot of gratitude about that because that makes me feel unconditionally loved and if he had said, ew, what's happening here with you? Um, I might still be thinking about that later. Right. So here's my question for you, Doug. Yeah. How would you do it? How would you say it? Like your partner has let themselves go and you're no longer as attracted to them as you once were. This is all theoretical, hypothetical. I want to hear how you would tell them that you were more attracted to them when they looked different? So that's a really great question because I'm not sure. Like if I'm really like unconditionally in love with that person, I may not notice those things. And I mean that. However, what I think we're talking about is a circumstance where someone has noticed I've lost right. my attraction to somebody based on them not taking care of themselves or taking care of themselves. Like it can go both ways. Right. Right. So I would say that if I would, and by the way, I am not the person who wants to know after the fact that my partner might've thought something and didn't tell me, like, tell me, I, I want it to be out there so that I can address it and I can talk about it. And I probably, if Rob, I don't think that Rob had anything, by the way, I don't want to make this about you and Rob, but I would have said <laughs> if Rob was feeling something and some concern it's about asking you, how are you feeling? Like, just check in with your partner about things, ask about those things. Um, and if I, you know, so I'll be very honest, Talia, if I were with somebody that had made a significant physical change that had affected my attraction, and to be honest, what, what that would be for me, like I need someone who wants to stay active in this life. Mm -hmm. I am not a spring chicken anymore. And so I value being active. I value being able to hike. I value being able to travel. Um, so I would not necessarily partner with somebody 
at this point in the game, which is also about negotiating the relationship and what's important, which by the way, I have a, a couple that I've worked with in the past who, you know, they actually had a kind of an agreement. Like you have to promise not to let yourself go. And I'm like, boo, that's harsh. I don't know what that means because mm -hmm. things can happen like accidents and surgeries and pregnancies and whatever else. So, but I really think that every couple, the healthiest couples I work with can have those conversations and say, I, we, we have to figure out how to navigate this differently because this is what I'm feeling. The danger of not talking about it is that there will be some distance and disconnect and you'll right. start to view, view, feel and view your partner differently in a way that can really cause havoc later. So I think there's always a nice way. Like, I don't think it's ew. I think that's a bad response. I think the response of, I need to talk to you about something is well, a great, great entree. So maybe the middle ground is you're not saying like, wow, you're fat and ugly. I'm no longer <laughs> oh, attracted to you. No, that's not loving. And that's not kind. what you're what you're saying is that the question is more of a check-in about like a mental and physical health state. Like, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Can I support you? But Being not making healthier. any assumptions about that either. Like, I don't think there should be an assumption that the other person is feeling that way because I kind of hear in your approach, like, uh, I, I, I miss walking with you. Well, maybe they don't like, maybe they're like, I like this more sedentary <laughs> lifestyle. So it's about, that's what I mean. Like it's about communicating and talking it through to figure out where both of you are at. And I don't think you have to be mean. I don't think you have to be unloving. I don't think you have to be disregarding, but I think there's a way of always bringing up topics directly that, that you, that usually start with words like I feel this, right? Um, and I think when couples don't do that, I think that's where they go down bad roles. I think it's where affairs happen. I think it's where, you know, dis you know, uh, breaches of their agreement and trust come into play. Um, and so I always, I do, I love transparency. I think it's good. And there's a way to do that that I think is respectful. Go ahead, Greg. So with regard to Mike, is, yeah. are you saying, are you both saying that he should have found a nice way to sort of get this figured out earlier on instead of waiting a year. Um, even though, I mean, clearly he even, he said, um, that he, there were red flags, right. As you, as you recalled, Doug. Yeah. Um, so is that you're kind of saying that communication should have happened in some form or fashion much earlier on? I gotta be honest. I'm going to say first red flag, pay attention. And if there's kind of a series of red flags, which he's saying there was at some point, you know, I always reference again that that uh, if you see something, say something sign at the airport at Minneapolis St. Paul National International Airport. I always laugh at it because I'm like, I think that about relationships and I think that about friendships of any kind or, or partner relationships. I think, yes, I think he should have said, so I'm feeling uncomfortable. There's something that tells me we have to move this in a different direction. I think we should meet. I need you to go on camera or I can't keep doing this. Yes. Yes. I mean, I, I love that Mike has this retroactive sort of awareness of what it is that he was experiencing, and he should have said something right away. I'm not big on the shoulds, but yes, it's your learning, Mike, to be able to say, if you have this experience again with someone in this Apex game format, whatever that is, or if you're dating someone online or through an app, at some point, people need to meet. People need to kind of feel out that chemistry. That's and I think right. Zoom, even though, Talia, you've made a really good comment earlier about like Zoom isn't always accurate. Like I haven't been able to gauge people well about their size or their circumstance uh, from Zoom. But I also think like I have no legs. I'm kidding. I do. Um, there's a part of this <laughs> where, where where I think I think when you when you have that red flag to go to your question, Greg, absolutely say something. Like, I think we live in this fear and we're avoidant as a human, can, you know, human population. And I say, go for it. It's, it's not worth hanging on to. It causes internal, you know, disconnect and worry. I agree. Nip I it also in the board. don't love the shoulds, but yes, I do feel like maybe Mike was not being honest with himself about all the red flags and what he needed to do about it. I can't picture a scenario of letting myself fall for somebody without knowing who they are as a whole human. I mean, that might be necessary, I would argue, in the first week. I mean, a year is a really long time to hope for the best while you're falling <laughs> in love with someone's right. gaming right. abilities. I don't know. I agree. 
So, Mike, listen to yourself and behave accordingly in the future. <laughs> Live I'm and sorry learn. you're in this circumstance because, you know, there's a loss in this too. So I'm sorry you've had to go through. 